Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Welcome to episode eight of This Spiritual Fix. Today, we're going to be talking about primary interests in neuro-linguistic programming or NLP and how you can use it to better understand people, to have better conversations with people and how to really just enjoy the differences that we all have. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. Okay, so today before we get into the episode, we want you, if you can, to do an exercise. We are going to be talking about the different ways that people sort information. And before you learn about the different types, we want you to take the test. So stop the podcast if you can especially if you're driving, maybe pull over to the side of the road or find a time when you can and record yourself describing your morning. So when you got up to whenever you did that, we want you to do that. Go ahead and record it. Try not to just say it out loud and then remember it later because it will be relevant later. So do us a favor and you won't regret it. Thanks. Hello. Hello, Christina. Hello, Anna. How are you? I'm great today. How are you? I I am doing I am doing well. Yes. Good. Yeah, I think this week has been a good week. It's just like another week, but it's good. I'm in the process of moving to a farm. I know. I know. I'm moving outside of Atlanta. Thank God I worked on my abandonment wound because <laughs> I might otherwise have some very strong feelings about this. <laughs> I'm glad you did too. Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, I'm only moving about an hour and a half outside of Atlanta, though. I know that like an hour and a half can be like the same as like eight hours sometimes, but yeah. How many acres is the it's 60 acres? Oh my gosh. And it has a, a pond and a pool. Yeah. It has like a four acre lake pond, whatever you want to call it. A lake. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it's just like, it's like one of those places when we went to it, like Luke and I are so funny because when we go, we've like bought so many freaking houses in the last couple of years not bought you flip or well, kind of uh, we've lived we've moved I'm gonna take this moved back. a lot we I'm not that I I know I've already established myself as a pretentious bitch but like I you know we kind of went from living off grid building our own house no power no running water. and when she says building her own house she means like she put in the plumbing with her bare hands her husband poured the cement into the foundation like I, they I did tiled, it all I tiled my bathroom when I was seven months pregnant 
Yeah. I, like I, you literally, it's not like I hired contractors and built a house. It's like I got my hands dirty. Oh yeah. No, I, I, we, we designed it and everything. So I went from that and food stamps, right. To getting a legit, oh, I always had legit jobs. So I'm not going to say it like that. Um, but getting like a professional job, career type job, career type job and busting my ass and then making it so that like we've moved a couple of places and we've done Atlanta's housing market is like crazy, especially we had a mid century and it was really popular, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, whenever we find a house that is ours, like we both know it immediately. And it's the most amazing thing because it's like, we're totally aligned on it. Right. Even with the house that we have now, I was like, oh yeah, no, I can totally be aligned with it. But Luke had done all the work to, to, to do the house that we have now. But the farm, it was like, we were both there and it was like, there's no question. Like, we just absolutely love this place. It was, it's just like this magical paradise. And I'm so excited to make it this kind of co-created world. Co-creation, for those of you who don't know, is the idea that nature and nature spirits are kind of in and around everything that we do on earth. And most of the time we completely ignore them. They actually know how to keep things in balance and they know how to keep things healthy and they know how to keep everything in a place that's very good. That's why it feels so good to go on a hike, right? And mm-hmm. go in nature. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if we could bring the feeling that we have in the woods inside. And the only reason that we don't is because we're just not aware that it is a practice that you can do. So my, my theory, my prediction is that just how organic is kind of become mainstream uh, it's still not mainstream for a lot of people, unfortunately, but like local organic and like all these different kind of ways of growing. Okay. Yeah. You, you can get organic. Like every grocery store has organic yeah. stuff. Then there's like biodynamic and there's kind of all these really like fringe types of farming. Mm-hmm. Like biodynamic is something that Steiner, Rudolf Steiner, who is just this like total genius philosopher and polymath just kind of like could talk about anything because he could just channel ways of doing anything. He was the originator of the Waldorf schools curriculum and all that kind of stuff. Um, Steiner came up with biodynamics, which is all about how you use the energies of the earth to improve the soil and improve the microbiome, which is like all about like how you actually make good soil, which makes good food. Co-creation is my prediction that in maybe like 10 or 20 years? Probably 50. (laughs) (laughs) Probably 50. There has to be major, major movements in which people are actually creating food that has been co-created actively. So a human is actually trying to communicate with nature. You know, I had um, an ex-boyfriend who did this and it was amazing. He, when he would water his plants, he would always water his plants by hand. So he would hold a bucket of water and sprinkle the plants with his own hand. And he would say, he said, it's because the cells on his hand, the DNA in his hand would then drip into the water and then the plants would know him. And he had, cause he had read this book about a woman who communed with the nature. And I started doing it too. When I did, when I did my garden, when I did my vegetable garden, it says suck on the seeds mm-hmm. before you plant them. Because what you're doing is you're telling the seedling, the, the seed, like here's some of my DNA now make the fruit or vegetable that corresponds to the needs that I need, that I need, which makes sense. Like if you're breastfeeding a baby and there's plenty of science to prove this, that the nipple will 
you know, read the bacteria in the baby's mouth and it can know what, what kind of antibodies the baby needs and it will know like what kind of milk to make and how old, like if you nurse a baby on the left, that's one years old and you nurse a baby on the right, that's a newborn, the milk is totally different. They like can analyze it and the milk on the right side, is going to be perfectly formulated for a newborn and the milk on the left. It's just like so fascinating. So the idea is like nature is just as smart. So if you suck on a seed before you plant it, you're in essence like the baby giving the saliva to the nipple and you're saying this is what I need this is who I am like hello nice to meet you yeah so when we built our little vegetable garden me and the kids you know we were sucking on the seeds before we were spitting them into the little holes because we're like okay make us the cucumbers that are the best for our bodies no that's so amazing and that's and that's actually one of the things that you do is that co-creation yeah no I mean that's a that's definitely a level of it uh those are those books are the Anastasia series Um, yes that's what he told me yeah one of the things that's great is that way in herbalism and I, there's a theory, there's actually like a, a direct theory that talks about how the herb grows in your garden that you need. Like the weeds mm. that show up in your garden are the ones that you need. Of course, that makes sense. a lot of people who live in the suburbs or in the cities don't necessarily have a chance for weeds to show up, but... With weed killer, right. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's the same idea that like you're interacting with your environment and the nature spirits know that you're there. And so they're trying to help you to be balanced because all nature spirits care about ultimately is balance. And if it's, if there are people who are imbalanced in their environment, then that is stressful to them. Like it's not, it's not stressful in a human way, but yeah. All right. Cool. What are we talking about today, Anna? So today we're going to talk about NLP, which is neuro linguistic programming, right? And my husband is a great uh, NLP student. He studied it for like 10 years. So everything I know about it comes from my husband and his teacher was who taught him? That's a really was good it Marshall question. Thurber? It could have been Marshall. It could have been the CIA. And <laughs> NLP is is like one of those things that everyone's like. It's like the mind control scene. Yeah, like I think there was a movie like Goats. Oh, oh men who see goats. Men who see, uh, I think that's an men aspect. Who stare at goats. Men who stare, I think it's like yeah, there's a whole aspect of it. Tony Robbins uses it. So basically, the idea is that there are. 2 million bits of information coming into the brain per second at any given moment, but the mind can only process seven plus or minus, so five to nine chunks of information per second. So basically we're inundated with all this information, but our brains can't handle it. So what does it do? It filters everything into folders basically. And it makes this, it just kind of like turns the universe into a more simplified version that we can understand. Like we could all agree, like if it's just sensory overload, your brain is so smart, it's going to be like, no, let's just filter it all down. So we're going to talk today about the way people, uh, there's a lot of parts of NLP, but the one we're going to talk about today is the way people sort information or sort, I'm sorry, filter. Yeah. So filter information. So basically there are the, these different types. So you have people sorters, place sorters, information sorters, thing sorters, activity sorters. So the way that you filter information in is through people, mm-hmm. place, in- information, activity, or thing. So we're going to give an example right now. I asked my cousin to tell me about her day. So this is her. Not sure why I'm doing this, but today I went on a six-mile walk, came back, did some laundry, and now I'm enjoying the sunset. Weirdo, love you. So if you listen to that audio, you can hear that she talks about activities, what she did, and there's a flow. I did this, and then I did that, and I did this, and I'm doing, and even the sunset, it's about enjoying the sunset. There is a verb in there. So she's totally an activity sorter. So she filters the life around her like an act, um, through the lens of activity. Yeah. 
And a, and a good example of uh, activities is if you go on, if you're the type of person who goes on vacation and you don't feel like you're actually on vacation until you have things to do on vacation, then you may be in an activity sorter. And if you're the kind of person, which I am guilty of because I'm an activity sorter, who filters your friend group based on the activities you can do with them. <laughs> I remember you telling me that. Originally. Like, I have my friends that I walk with. I have my friends that I drink with. I have my friends that I cook with. And I have my friends that I clean with. And I have my friends that I, you know, like I filter my friends in my mind, like, and people, what do we do together? And like, what does my family do together? We play games. We go on hikes. We're, we do things together. My family's like big activity sorters. Yeah. So we're going to listen now to Chris's husband. We asked him what did he, how to tell us about his day, and this is the answer we got. Describe your morning when you got up. Yeah. I laid in bed for a long time thinking about various ideas, and then I finally got up. Um been laying there for a while it was really early when i woke up and i came out in the dark so if you listen to him it might be hard to understand because he does also talk about activity but he is an information sorter Mm -hmm. it's all about the information sorter and the information it's all about the details the facts things like that the so why it's it has information sorters has a lot to do with why it's it's sometimes he's also a five in the enneagram which doesn't help because he'll also, I feel like they, they contribute to stuff and I won't get into that. But for a long time, we couldn't tell what Luke was. We thought at first he was a people sorter. And I think at first, uh, because he was just so considerate with other people. And then, and then we thought that he was a place sorter. Eric, when like your husband, when he saw him was like, you must be a place sorter because like everything has its place when Mm -hmm. he cooks. But I think it was only recently that we were like, oh no, his information because it just like flows like it's just there's no chunking of anything right thing sorters are very chunky mm-hmm. so to give a quick description of each and then i'll go into the strengths and weaknesses of each you can people sort information in five different ways so you have the people sorters so they're going to see the lens through the people you ask them about their day they're going to talk about who they spent the time who they were with it's all about the people right um, place sorters they're all about the place but it's not just geographical location it's also about weather it's all about organization like everything has its right p- place it's about structure schedules weather things like that time time, time. yeah um oh it's hilarious i have a patient who is a place sorter she in her small one bedroom apartment has like two grandfather clocks and two clocks on uh, two additional clocks on the wall she has four clocks in her just in that living area of, yeah. yeah place sorter all the way um, you have information sorters and they are about the facts and the why you have thing sorters and they're about the things and they chunk like people are things, um, activities even are things and they're, it's very chunky and almost like dead when they talk about, um, things because things are just things they are not alive. And then you have the activity sorters and they're all about the activity, the dynamic, the functionality, the doing, the doing, the doing. So the reason why this is a really important tool to know how people sort information, it's not just for self-reflection. It's also about connecting with others and forgiving others. When you understand another person's patterns, it's a lot easier to, to connect with them on their level and also forgive them. And a great example is the five languages of love. You've got touch, gifts, verbal, etc. Like if you're giving gifts to someone whose language of love is verbal, your efforts are pointless. Like save your $100 gift. Just give them some compliments. That's what they're going to want, you know? Um, So when you understand people's 
types of sorting, you can save a lot of time being effective in your communication with them by meeting them on their level. So it's really important. It's also great for forgiveness because when you understand, you can easily forgive. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go into that in a minute. So I'm going to talk now about the strengths and kind of weaknesses of each of these patterns. And just to reiterate, none of these patterns is better than the other. Like we can't say it's better to be a people sorter than a than an information sorter. Like there is no better pattern there, but there is, there is stuck and unstuck. So the more stuck you are in a pattern, if we had like a zero to 10 scale, 10 being totally stuck in this pattern and zero being totally flexible. My husband having done NLP for years is very, like the closest I know to a zero, right? He's very, he can very freely flow through all the different patterns. But like if you're stuck, then we can say, eh, that's kind of bad because you want to be the more flexible you are, the more you can kind of maneuver in and out of life. Yeah. And I also think that there are different professions that are better for different types of sorters. Right. And there's different times of day. Like when you're with your children, be a people sorter, please. Like don't be a place sorter. Yeah. Don't need to have everything in the yeah. right place. And, and like how Eric will run different patterns for his kids because he wants them to be as close to zero as possible. So he's like... If your kid is a place sorter, then you just start talking about people and being like, hey, describe your teacher, right? Like, how is your teacher like trying to get them to, to get to be more flexible? Because ultimately, the more you grow up, if you're taught to be as close, unstuck as possible, then they're going to be able to adapt right. to any situation very easily. Right. Like, so my son, for example, to give an example, my son that was like big place order, his toys had to be in the right place. He really had to be puzzles. He would flip out if something was not in the right place. So what did my husband constantly do to him? Ask him questions about people. Ask him to talk about the people at school, his friends, his teacher, like totally just kind of get him to like move more into the people pattern. And then my daughter, who is actually more of a people sorter, he would get her to talk more about place. Like where do things go? Da, 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 da. Just trying to be more flexible. So, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go into the strengths and weaknesses. We've got the people sorter who are all about the people. Like hairdressers is a great profession. And most most hairdressers are like people sorters. Oh, yeah. They love the gossip. They love the people. They're in it for the people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, strengths of them are they, they love connections. They know everyone. They're really good at reading people. They're very loving. They're very interested. And when you're in their presence, you really feel like you're exi- you exist. Like you really like feel that you, they show up for you. Like you feel like you are alive in their presence. You're not just a thing or an activity. Yes. Pastors. Oh my God. You lead a church as a people sorter and almost all of the, almost all the pastors that I've ever like directly known are almost all people sorters because yes. they have to be because it's like, Oh yeah. Their flock, right? My, like, my yeah. neighbor is a minister and like every other word out of his mouth is a person and yeah. he loves people. Yeah. Um, one of the weaknesses of people sorters is they can often become wrapped up in other people or needing the approval of other people and kind of forgetting them out their own self. Yeah. I have an example of this. My, I used to run a team that had, uh, project managers and a whole bunch of different creative professionals on it. And honestly, like being in a creative agency and being a people sorter is a really, really difficult thing to do because of the fact, especially if you're a project manager, because project managers are really good at their activity sorters or information sorters or doing things that are like very based in activities. If you're a people sorter as a project manager, you are going to obsess over how your client feels about oh, like what you're all sending the drama. them. Drama. All the drama. It's, it's like you literally, as a project manager having done it for a number of years, I can say that one of the best things to do as a project manager is to be as equanimous as possible, to not necessarily get involved in drama because you have to tell people what to do. You have to basically nicely boss people around and you have to coordinate activities. And if you're concerned about how people feel about something, 
then you're literally not going to be as effective so as a you people can be. sorter would do better like in HR than yeah. than like managing projects. Right, right, and not necessarily in an administrative HR, but like the the HR that takes care of people. Right, like right. that's or like as a strategic HR person. Um, there are so many professions for people sorters, but managing activities or information is not necessarily one of the best ideas. Maybe right. So then we have the place sorters, and they organize information based on place. So that includes time. Um, like scheduling where things are geographically and also where they are in the order. Like there's a right and wrong place for things. So their strengths are they're very efficient and their house is like always in order. There's a place for everything. They're good at organizing. They're good at being on time. They're good about knowing the weather. Like they're very efficient people. Place is very important to them. And they're, they're, they're the ones you want to ask, like, where's a good place to eat? Where's a good place to go on vacation? Like if you have a travel request or a, a food request, you want to ask place orders because they're going to know where the best places are. The One of their weaknesses, though, is that they get hung up on structure. Like I think a pathological version of a place order would be OCD people who are like, they have to put things back in the right place. They have to flip the, swi- the switch seven times. Um, they, they have to, they can't spend, you know, they get caught up in being so efficient and so caught up in the time that they kind of forget to enjoy life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Or they're always cleaning their house or something along those lines. Uh, I, I, well, cleaning their house would be activity, but like being upset when something's not in the right place. Oh no. I mean, getting to the point where they, they feel comfortable in their house. Oh right? yeah. That's what I mean by that when I mean cleaning their house because, uh, so, uh, Robbie, our teacher, is a place sorter, and I think she'd be okay with me telling you that. She she runs a, oh, a bunch of different patterns. She's not necessarily stuck in one, but her house is impeccable. Mm. But it's really interesting because what she does is that because she has all these different lineages and all this different information that she has like in her brain, when you see her describe where she, what she, her process of like how she goes to all these different places, they are places in front of her, like above her head. Like they basically are like above her head and up. And she's like, so I have my notebook here and it's like up to the left. And then I have this here and I have this here. And it's like, you can tell that even in her mind, everything has its place. Right. Like I was talking to a place sorter once. This is a great example. And she was trying, she was basically saying that this man loaned me money mm-hmm. or, or she loaned this man money, whatever. I, as an activity sorter, would say, he loaned me money. What she said is, he took money out of his bank account and put it in my bank account. Like, it's a small, like, thing, but the way that she said it, it was, like, all about the place. The money moved from this place to that place, and that was how she filtered that information. It was just fascinating. Yeah. A lot of place sorters will move a lot. Like, I know a place sorter who... A hair is never out of place. Her eyelashes, everything is in the right place. Her clothes, her hair, everything's in the perfect place. She has moved, like in the 10 years I've known her, she's probably moved eight times because she's always hunting for the perfect place. Yeah. And I think, you know, that could be a strength or a weakness, however you want to see it. But like the place sorters, they got to find the right place. Like they don't feel settled unless they're in the right place. Another place that I know has moved cities. She's moved to like five different cities in the last 10 years looking wow. for the perfect city. She's now in Austin and she loves it and she's probably going to stay there. But it's like she was on this quest to find the right place. So yeah. place is very important to place sorters. Me, activity sorter, I don't care where I live as long as it's not too cold because being too cold outside inhibits my activities. Yeah, which is hilarious because I feel like you wouldn't, like when I house sat for you 10 years ago, I always joke because like, you know, Eric is, your husband's like very unstuck and at the time you guys weren't married, but like, 
I was always like, when we lived in your house, we were just like, where is this stuff? Like, where's the salt? Like the salt's supposed to be next to like this other guy that I was staying with in her house. We were both just like, where is everything? Like, cause it was all just not in the place you would expect it to be. Cause, cause it was I'm not just, a place sorter. Cause you're not. And I'm not a thing sorter. So like place and things just don't register. Yeah. So a good profession, I would say for uh, a place sorter would be, I have, I work with someone who is an art designer. They're an art director. And they are a place order and they are so fantastic. Oh, auditors are great place orders. They're yeah. looking for the numbers to be in the right place. Yeah. My and friend who's the place order is an editor. Yeah. Looking- so typesetters, people who are all about layout design, like they are so good if they're place orders. Right. Travel recommendations. They're going to be able to give you the interface and the, like the, the, the UX that you want. Like, yeah, it's right. great. So, but play in, um, we have now information sorters. They're good because they know everything about anything. You want them on your trivia team. They're going to know the facts about everything. They're, they're great resources for information. So there's that. But now the weakness of the information sorters is they need to learn to read the room. They will like just inundate you with information. And for, unless you're another information sorter, it's like just verbal diarrhea you're like I don't need to know 200 things I just need to know the bare bones that are going to affect my activities or my place or my people right so information sorters really need to learn to there are they're great at any kind of field that requires intellect but they really need to read the room and and kind of like swallow their tongue oh yeah and that's really hard I'm an activity slash information sorter for years we thought I was an information sorter but my information is about activity and I have a tendency to talk a lot about something that I'm very interested in without recognizing that the details might not be necessary exactly um information sorters though are very good at research yeah very good at research oh yeah I have a neighbor who is information sorter if I want a good recipe good anything like good recommendation for anything Netflix food whatever boom I ask her she knows everything she researches everything before they'll usually be have a lot of quality in their life like they'll have a lot of quality items and things like that because they've done the research that says that they like that they need to to do whatever it is and they definitely can free flow and, and kind of usually if they're gregarious sorts of people then they they'll just talk to you about anything right so I'm an activity sorter and I believe I might have gotten this way from observing my father who is the king of activity sorters and my my me and my siblings joke that if we were to stick like a gps tracker on my father and just like charted his activity for the day it would be this it would be busier than a bumblebee like he wakes up at 4 a.m every morning and by eight or nine o'clock he has cleaned the house, done yard work, gone on a uh, six mile walk, gone to Starbucks, got his coffee. Like the man is everywhere. Like he just doesn't stop moving. And, um, I've learned it from him. He's my, my dad is probably, we'd say very stuck in activities. Like I can even ask my father, Hey dad, how are you? Which is the response I'm looking for is an emotional answer. And it's his answer is I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm going here. I'm going there. Like he doesn't even, he doesn't even have emotions like in his vocabulary. It's all about the doing. And he's, he's adorable. Gets a lot of shit done. Yeah. Activity sorters get shit done. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So the pros of an activity sorter is they get a lot done. Like they're the people who fit five lives into one lifetime. Like they get stuff done, but their weakness is they can sometimes forget about people, place, et cetera. And like, for example, treat people like activities or like be home and not enjoy being home and instead look for like things to clean, things to organize, do, 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 instead of just like sitting and enjoying and resting. Yeah. I, I can have an example of my activity that's gone a bit stuck is that I used to just like accumulate hobbies 
to do just in case I wanted to do them. If you know what I mean? Like it was like, I wouldn't actually end up doing them because some of the times I would just like go on to the next thing. But like, I was like almost like a a stone skipping activity. Like I would just always skip over the surface and just be like, I'm going to start sewing. And then I would get everything for sewing and then I would sew a couple of things and then I'd go on to the next thing. And it was just like, that's a, there's other things influencing that, but you know, I always wanted something to do. Like my closet was just full of things to do. To do, right, right. Yeah, if I pick a vacation, like am I going to be tanning on the beach all day? No, I'm going to want the location that I can go on a bike ride and go on a hike and go da 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 So the pros of a thing sorter are they're really good at things. They're good at manufacturing things. They're good at working with inventions. They're They're good at assessing and evaluating the quality of things. They're good at buying gifts. They're good at accessorizing. They're good at, say, interior design. They're good at things. One of the downsides of a thing sorter is that they treat everything like a thing, so it becomes kind of chunky. When you're in the presence of a really deep self sorter, they treat you like the help. They treat you like you don't really exist. Other people are kind of like stepping stones in their world to move from one place to another. So if thing sorters need to watch out that they don't treat people like things. Now I'm going to talk about how knowing these patterns obviously will help you understand yourself and try to get less stuck. But I'm also going to talk now about how you can use these knowledge of these patterns to help you professionally and romantically. So I'm in healthcare, so I'm going to discuss how I use these the knowledge of these patterns to get the outcomes that I want with my patients. And I'm also going to talk about how knowing this could help you in interpersonal relationships. And and Christina, please feel free to chime in with your own experiences. Yeah. So the first one I'm going to talk about is the place sorters. So I think it's really important to know what the patterns of of the people you're working with or living with because when you understand their patterns, you know where to meet them. So one of the first things I do when I do an evaluation on a patient is try to assess what is their primary sorting style. And I just ask questions, tell me about your day, tell me why you're here, tell me what your goals are. And you can usually just with that conversation identify like what their primary people place thing information activity is. So with my place order patients, it's very important that I honor time commitments. If I'm ever running late to an appointment, as I do home visits, I got to make sure I let them know. The where we do the exercises really matter. Like it's really important. I explained clearly like the placement of where the foot goes and where the legs goes and where we're going to do it. Like when you're home, you need to come do the exercises at the, ki- the kitchen sink ones are here. The ones in the bed are here. The ones in the chair are here. And just like be really consistent and respectful that where we're doing the activity, like where we're doing their, their exercises really matters. Yeah. And, um, again, honoring time, honoring weather and things like that. Yeah. So when it comes to your kids, so my daughter was doing a massive pattern of play sorting as a kid. Um, I think that she's come out of that more, but, uh, she would have a problem eating anywhere other than a place that she was okay. So if we sat her down in a place that she wasn't okay with, she wouldn't eat. And we didn't realize what was going on at first. And then we're like, Oh, I'm just going to ask, and what seat are you going to eat? And then she'd be like, I'm going to eat in this seat. And then she would eat in that. And then we'd sit her in that seat and she'd eat there. And, um, it has a lot, it, I, there's probably a human design explanation for it too, which I've recently found out. But I think that, that when you have a kid and that kid seems to be, to be stuck in place and like, I have to do things, 
um, in a certain order and I have to kind of like do all this kind of stuff. It's really good to give them the freedom and autonomy to be able to choose what is going to be best for them. And then you can run other patterns with them. Like, like your husband does, like you can run other patterns to try and kind of help them become more unstuck in that pattern. But at the same time, like don't try and control their place. And to piggyback that, my son was running a lot of place sorting. I think it's a developmental thing too. Like he was at the age, he was very place sorter, place sorter. And he would like get up while he was eating and we'd be like, like instead of saying sit down, which is an action, I'd be like, this is your chair. This is where we eat. We sit in this chair when we're eating and make it about the place. And so he never gets out of his chair when he eats, which is great. Now my daughter, on the other hand, does because she's not a place sorter and I have not figured out a way to to communicate that. Um, If you're married to or living with someone who is a place sorter, it's important that you recognize they need boundaries. Like don't, don't touch their stuff. Don't invade their privacy. um, Respect their space. Uh, respect that they might need to cha- check the weather channel 10 times a day. Um, they might be really rigid about where and when things are occurring and try to understand that that's just the pattern they're running. They, yeah. they don't mean to be a pill. Or that they really want to show up 15 minutes early. I actually, the woman who was my landlord for a while and I lived on the same property as her, she was a place sorter and it was and mark remarkable like it, it it was a cause of somewhat of of conflict at one point but like it was remarkable because if we went up to the shed that she like literally only went in once a month and we took an axe that she hadn't used for five years that day she would want to use an axe it was like she had such an awareness of her space because she was like a psychic intuitive right like she she had such an awareness of her place that like if you moved anything in her place even if it was like 500 meters away from her house she would know and have an in, an, an interest in actually going oh, yeah. to find that tool that day. My sister's a place sorter. And as a child, you know, you like to snoop in your sibling stuff. Like you could not move an eraser an inch on a, on a messy desk. She would know you had done it. Yeah. It's place sorter. So, okay, let's talk about people sorters. So if I have a patient who's a people sorter, the one of the ways I can motivate them to get their exercises done is to talk about the people. Like, like, um, you want to get back to playing with your grandkids or visiting your grandkids? Like what kind of things do you want to do with your grandkids? Of course, I come from the activity, coming from an activity frame, but I try to incorporate the people in their lives into their goal making. Mm -hmm. And I think that really helps remind them like, we're getting stronger so you can go get your manicures with your granddaughter again or whatever. Like I kind of try to bring the people back into the session, like as a motivator. And then if you're married to a people sorter, I guess... I've never had a romantic relationship with a people sorter. My guess would be like, maybe you need to watch your jealousy because I'm thinking maybe people sorters talk about a lot of people and are interested in a lot of people and you might get jealous. Like, I don't really know how that would show up romantically. I think, I think when it comes to romantically, not, I, I don't think I've been in a romantic relationship, but I have been in a close place with a people sorter. And I think that when it comes to that, it's all about like recognizing that they may want to talk with someone or it, it just feeds their interest. It's like reading a book. It's like they just, but they're doing going to do it with people instead. And so as you, as you are together, they may be the dominant person in a conversation. If you meet a new person, it probably helps a lot to get them to meet other new people, like to really encourage them to not necessarily just have the same friends all the time. I mean, they can keep the same friends, but you know, like to, to expand their, their exposure to other people. Mm-hmm. Be respectful of their need for others, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a patient who's an information sorter, we're talking about information sorters, um, 
they love information. So for these people, I will go into great length, like what muscle they're exercising, why, why this exercise strengthens this muscle, da, 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 da. I pull out my, my diagrams. I pull out my models. Like I give them in-depth explanations of their exercises and why they need to do them. And that will totally make improved compliance. I don't need to bring people in place or activity into the, into the conversation. I focus on information and they love it. And I get way better compliance when I really give them detailed explanations. It's a great time saver for me because a lot of times I don't need to give great explanations to people. They don't need it, but the information sorters, trust me, they need it. Yeah. And it's, um, my chiropractor is very good at inadvertently. I don't even know if she knows that she's doing this, but like, because I'm a partial information server, uh, sorter, she will, she will tell me what points. So she uses kinesiology. So she'll tell me what points and what they mean, because if I can see that she is addressing all the different parts of the body, because informationally, if she's telling me how it's working, I am going to be more compliant with her suggestions because I understand right. what it is. And I believe it because I'm like, you've given me the information. I need to believe this. If you just been like, take these five pills and see you in the morning, I'm going to be like, bullshit. Where'd you get that information? Okay, like, and me as an activity sir, I'll be like, oh, cool. Let me take the five pills. Let me see what happens. And then I'll know if this works or not. You know, yeah. I need to like trial by error. Yeah. Whereas I, I'm like, give me the information and let me know that you actually came to this in a good and consistent way that I've been able to see. And I'm cool. All right. So if you're married or in a close relationship with an information sorter, some things to be flexible about is their long winded need to do research and inform you about things that probably are non-functional. Yeah. I think it's also living with an information sorter analysis paralysis is a tendency, um, in the sense of like, sometimes you may need to encourage them to make, make decisions. a decision. Yeah. They can get stuck because they have so much information. They just don't make decisions. Yeah. You know, they just know too much. Oh yeah. Like Pers- I- personally, knowing my personality, I probably could not survive with an information starter because I'm like, let's just do it. Let's deal with the consequences I, after. Let's not research everything. I think that's why I'm incredibly lucky that Luke and I are both partial, like that I'm a partial information sorter and activity sorter and that he's information almost entire. He's information in place because like what it does is that it makes it so that like, like for instance, Luke has been researching again. It's probably cause he's a five in the Enneagram too, but like, I think they, they lended um, information to each other, but, uh, He's been looking for a pair of headphones. He took three months to research a pair of headphones. This is literally a $30 purchase. He took three months to research the right headphones. And then he waited for Christmas to buy for somebody to buy it for them. And he didn't. And then he still doesn't have the headphones. He's literally been having the same pair of Bluetooth headphones, which he doesn't want because he's researched all Bluetooth near your And an activity sorter would have bought them already, worn them, and decided do they return them or not. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It's just like more function-based. Yeah. So yeah, if you're married to an information sorter or or have a close information with them, be patient and try to encourage them to read the room and make decisions. Now, if I have a patient who's an activity sorter, that is like the best kind of patient for a physical therapist because they will just do everything because they love to do, do, do and go, go, go. And you give them a little routine and they're in it. Like there's, that's super, super easy. And just reminding them like, this is going to help you get back to jogging or this is going to get you back to doing this, this, and this. They want the freedom of, of movement and activity. So that's very easy. And I've also noticed to be a lot more respectful of the activity sorters who have become recently disabled. Like if an activity sorter has a stroke or loses, it becomes an amputee, it's going to be a lot harder for them than say a place or information people sorter because 
they are some now their life, which is about activity, they're no longer to do able to do the things that they want to do. Like I have a patient right now who has is an activity sorter and she has lost the use of both arms due to different accidents. And it's like she is going crazy because she cannot do anything. So when I come and see her, there's a lot of tears and there's a lot of emotion that say someone else who had two broken arms might not experience, but she's an activity sorter. So her primary way of like making it through life has been derailed temporarily. But it's also really important. Like if you're working with an activity sorter and they have experienced disability recently, it's going to be a lot harder for them than other people. Is there any way to divert them to like an activity that doesn't require movement? Like, is there any way to be like, hey, you should meditate or you should read books or well, you should do something like that? It's funny you said that. I got her um, onto audiobooks and I got her into some like meditation apps on the, her iPad. Like I'm trying to get her to do more internal thing. And I've also helped her see that she can hire someone. Like she's, she's financially well off that she can hire someone to do a lot of the things she wants and she can follow them around and tell them what to do. And then she gets to feel involved in the activity. Mm. So there's a ways around it. Um, if you are romantically involved with an activity sorter, Lord, let them, let them them do, let them, let them just do their thing. Yeah. I'm kidding. Let them plan vacations. Um, yeah. Let them plan vacations. Um, try not to get frustrated when they are juggling like 10 different activities. I know like when I'm stressed, I'll actually bring on more activities into my to-do list versus less. And I think also if you're living with an activity sorter, be mindful that you don't, that they can get overwhelmed with the amount of activities that they put on their to-do list Mm -hmm. and try to help out. Like, like the quintessential activity sorters language of love is acts of service because it's all in the doing. So if you see that your partner is an activity sorter, help them, you know, in their tasks. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Yeah. I think one of the things that I do as an activity sorter and an information sorter, it's a really hard thing to be a mother. Like I'm just going to be out there for me because of the fact that if I could have a really long like information conversation with my kids who are six and three, then it's, that's why I'm like so looking forward to them growing up because I'm just like, then we can have all these conversations and I can tell you about all my information. I'm so excited about that. And so what I have to do is I actually have been having, I, I love being a mother when I have an activity to do with the kids. Oh, me too. I'm like, let's play hide and seek. Like, let's go on a hike. Like that for me is so fun. Yeah, yeah. And and so I will go to like Target or Walmart or whatever and just be like, go and buy an activity because I'm just like, I'm so excited about it. And it was like yesterday I went I went to one of those stores and, and I brought back and, and Lyra was just like, but there's so much stuff to do. She was just like completely <laughs> overwhelmed by the number of things I had brought back to do because I was just like, for me, spending unstructured time with my kids when I can't have deep intellectual conversations with them or I don't have an activity for them is really a struggle for me. Right. Because I feel worthless. Like I feel like I'm not moving. I feel like it's I feel like it's just this waste and suck of time because that's just not where I am. Like I, I just need to either be I need to be in one of those extremes. And so it's good for me to run other things to just like recognize that people patterns yeah. are good for me and that just spending time with a person is valuable in and of itself. You don't have to be doing anything or talking about anything. Right. Okay. Let's talk about the thing sorters. The last one real quick. So the thing sorters, let's say I have a patient who's a thing sorter. Everything is in just chunks like this and that and this and that. And I'll be honest, I'm probably not the best at connecting with thing sorters, but what I've learned to do is really respect that they have their stuff and it's important to them. Like they might have a collection, they might 
have a collection of things. They might, it might be really important to them. Their stuff is important to them. Like they have like five cameras and I might be like, why are you buying five cameras? One camera is enough. This is her husband. (laughs) And I have to remember the importance of these five cameras is just as important to this person as being able to clean the house all day and cook all day to me as an activity sorter. So you have to like understand that just because it doesn't seem functional and it seems quote materialistic, it's not. It's just their pattern, which is thing, just as my pattern is moving and activity. Yeah. yeah. Um, what kind of advice would you give if I have a patient who's a thing sorter? Like what should I be looking for? Because I don't think I have that one down. I think I would give them, what are they called? In yoga, they have them too, um, props. Okay. Give them props to work with. Like um, like in yoga. Like, like a gait belt or a strap or a yoga ball. Exactly. exactly. So in yoga, if I had to, it, as a yoga teacher, if I had to, to give someone a routine with yoga, I would give them blocks, the stretchy band, like the straps. I would give them a yoga swing. I would give them something that they could. Like a tangible object. A tangible object with which to work. Like okay. if they just have to, if they just have to like do stuff with them, their body, like their body is not considered a thing to them and it's not interesting. Whereas if they have to lift this ball up 10 times, then they're going to be much more perfect. To do That's that. awesome. Yes. Yeah. And so thing disorders in general will also have a tendency. I think one of my relatives is a thing sorter now that you're talking about it. And you could also correspond it with his language of love is gifts, but like, it's like, it feels as if to give love as well as a way to like do like to is to just like give interact with gifts. the world like give gifts all the time like oh I'm gonna give you this I'm gonna give you this you know like it's like this constant thing your husband does it too he loves like to him giving someone something giving someone one of his things is like such an act of love right right and me going on a walk with someone is mine you know yeah it's it, just parallel it yeah, yeah yeah exactly um well so all in in summary we've got place information activity thing and people sorters And knowing what the patterns are are going to be really good in the way that you interact with others. Not to say you're going to manipulate them better or get better outcomes, but you're going to be able to connect with them more on their level and be a little more efficient in in the way that you ask for connect with them, which I think is great. And if you yourself are aware of the patterns, you might become more flexible to know when is a good time to use them. So before we end the episode, let's just talk briefly about when are good times to run which patterns. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so let's say you're with your children, you're getting your hair done, you're interacting with people at a party. That's a good time to become a people sorter. Yep. Right? Yep. You know, put the information down, put the activities aside and like really become interested in people as people. Yep. Yeah. As far as, let's see, as far as place goes, when's a good time to run place sorting? Uh, when you're cleaning your house, when you're organizing your house, when you're buying a new house, I keep saying house, 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 when you're making a schedule for the week. Oh yeah. When you're making your schedule for your week. Making your financial plans or auditing something. Creating a budget. Yeah. Get into your place sorting zone. Yep. Uh, Information sorters. Good time to be an information sorter is when you're doing research. Yeah, when you're researching or you're playing trivia. <laughs> Activity sorters when you're doing things. A lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Americans are very activity sorters, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's like, our culture is very activity based. Yeah. Uh, thing sorter. Good time to be a thing sorter. Good time to be a thing sorter would probably be again when you're maybe when you're organizing things because I feel like feel like thing and place are kind of very closely relinked a lot of the times. 
Um, when you're buying a gift for someone. When you're buying a gift for someone. That, that's what I was thinking. The thing that came to mind was Christmas. Of course, you and I are, are filtering. This entire episode is being filtered through the lens of activity disorder. So Yeah, so please bear that in mind. So please bear that in mind that this entire episode has been orchestrated by two activity disorders. Yeah, but we had to do something in order to be able to do it. <laughs> no, I, the thing is, is that like ultimately with NLP, I just kind of want to say this, like just in closing is that it may get some flack for being like, oh, I'm trying to control people, but it's not at all. It really is all about like, how can I connect to someone in the way that they're talking about? Let me, how do I speak their language? How do I speak their language? And, and how do I be more flexible? And yes, that's capable of influencing people. Absolutely. The whole point is not to influence people. The whole point is to make people feel heard. Right. And really show up for them. So yeah, yeah. there we go. Let's go. Well, now Chris and I are going to go for a walk. So we'll talk to you later. (laughs) We are going to go for a walk indeed. All right, cool. Thanks, Anna. Bye. Bye. So now that you've heard everything, we encourage you to go back and listen to your recording and figure out what kind of sorter you are. You can do this kind of test anytime you want to find out people's primary interest and get to know them better. Follow us on Instagram. This.spiritual.fix. Be sure to like and subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcast to. It helps people find us. And remember, humility, acceptance, gratitude, done. Let me tell you all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.